Hey, all you cool cats and commies. I'm Caleb. I'm Zach. And this is In The Mood. Your working class podcast. All right, all right, all right. We are back for another week. And what a week it has been. Another heist. Another heist. Another, another it's, you know, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a really a big roller coaster. We're getting near the end of the school year. We're getting close to the summer. It's finally starting to heat up. For all you people that uh, need to catch up on your beach pods, now's the time. Now, yeah, now's the time to go into overdrive. It's like I had that realization now that things are opening back up and I've been vaccinated and all that. And I'm like, shit, I've got to go to the beach this summer. And, you know, I got my first burn out of the way already. I did get my first burn out of the way. I looked like, uh, what is it? I looked like Deadpool without his mask on for a couple of days. So but. speak of the uh, the whole mask ordeal. Let's get in. Let's dive right into that right quick oh, before, yes. before we get on oh, to yes. our uh, main mm-hmm. topic of the night. So regarding the masks, my question is, how in the world can they figure out who and who's been vaccinated, who hasn't? Even if you have your vaccination card, there's going to be so many people that people can't even catch up to it, you know? So, like, to me, it just seems kind of, it, it makes sense, but it just seems, illo- not illogical, but uh, non-feasible. And that's, yeah, it, it that's been the most confusing thing, is now they're saying that, you know, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask in public, you don't have to wear a mask indoors, all that, which, great for the people that actually, you know, have been vaccinated but then it's like for the people that actually gave a crap about people for the last year and wore their mask it's like okay the people that were being the most annoying and all the karens that were refusing to do everything they're getting a free pass now they didn't have to make any sacrifices and they're just getting a free pass so it's really annoying it is um i think the reasoning behind it is it's trying to like incentivize more people to go get the, you know, because there's been close to what, about 150 million Americans that have been vaccinated. Over 150 million, almost close to 200. Close to 200 that have gotten at least one shot. Now, both shots and like fully vaccinated, they're right at about 140, 150 million, which is a little bit less than 50% of the U.S. because we're at 332 million people the last uh, census. So it's, it's definitely frustrating for the people that, you know, are the most annoying. But I feel like it's as a way to incentivize people to now go and get their vaccine if they haven't already. Like, hey, look, it's safe, obviously. Not that there was ever, should have ever been any question about it. But, hey, here we go. We see that things are starting to open up more, for better, for worse. So it's definitely... Um, going to be an interesting next few months. So I'll, one more question and, and we'll, uh, we'll take a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a sharp turn. So are we, are we about to go to the moon? I hope so. My question to you is regarding like back to the mask thing, if it comes to like, say it, it's seasonal, mm-hmm. do you think that's a, a ridiculous idea to have mask as seasonal? whether it be to defend against the flu or, 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 or common colds, I think that's a little overstepping your boundaries. Well, I, what I think is hilarious is nobody ever said a word about people that wore their mask even before Corona during flu season, like people that are immunocompromised, they wore masks all the time during it wasn't, flu season. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there wasn't as many people. 
well, that and but they they didn't call them sheeple. They didn't. They it's only after it got politicized that it's become such a big issue. It became politicized early last year that conservatives wore, didn't wear masks and people that claimed to be left or more left that gave a crap wore masks. And so it became politicized very early. And now if it even does become that where it's like seasonally people wear masks because there's going to be variants of the coronavirus. And just because things are good here doesn't mean that they are good everywhere else in the world. And that's what it's trying to get people to see. It's like, we can't just act like everything's hunky-dory just because we're taken care of. Because the coronavirus is, ob- is is raging in India. So it incentivizes, it's in our best interest to help the rest of the world. Because if we need, we're a globalized society. So we need to take care of the other places of the earth, kind of like with climate change too, if you want to get into that. You know, it incentivizes us. It is in our best behave. It is in our best interest. It behooves us to make sure that the rest of the world is taken care of because we're a globalized society. We want to be able to travel again. We want to be able to get the economy going even more with international trade picking up. So it's like there's all these incentives that come. But so it's like, yeah, we need to give a crap about the rest of the world. Yeah, of course. But like like you said, when it comes to like, do, do you personally agree with it being seasonal? Because like, what what's the next thing they're going to implement on? If it's seasonal, then it's going to be this. And then you know, like, do you picture it like them taking steps? If it you know, become, it's not. They're not going to start doing some mask mandate every seasonally. And what it comes down to is like, it's literally putting a piece of cloth on my face at certain times of the year to help other people that are immunocompromised. That's called, I don't know, being your brother's keeper, which is for the religious people, that is their mandate. So I see that as a minor, minor inconvenience for the greater good. A very minor inconvenience for the greater good. So back to our sharp right turn. Speaking of to the moon. Speaking, I was about to say, I thought you were going to jump into it a little earlier. That's what I was saying to the moon. Speaking of to the moon, are you are you riding the the do- the doggy coin? It's the people's currency, the as people's as currency. Elon Musk said, but then dropped a huge, just massive shit on SNL. I was really hoping for it to just well, straight up balloon, and then he said it's a hustle. But think about it though. Think you got to read more into it. If you're a, if you're into stocks, it, any buying any stocks or being a businessman, it's a hustle. Think about it. If you're a businessman, how are you gonna? How do you? How do you think Elon Musk became Elon Musk? Do you think he did it through? Uh, well, hey, let's sell this and let's sell this. No, his way of making money was a hustle. If you're making it in business, you got to make it. It's a hustle. So people just read the headline of that and freaked out. Like, I get it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him personally, but. I mean, he he's right in that sense. Like, it's a hustle. Everybody just freaked out about that because they're looking for any reason for do- doggy. I'm going to call it doggy coin because it makes me happy. Okay. And how do you feel about China's uh, ripoff version, Shiba Inu coin? Yeah, well, that's great. But it tanked like the next day. Sure so. did. Um, but I mean, that's that's just cryptocurrency in in general. It's it's not fiat. It's not um, sovereign. So I mean, it's going to be volatile. Like I invested in uh, Ethereum Classic. A few weeks ago, I bought one share when it was like 85 bucks. And two days later, it was up to 180 bucks. And I wish I would have sold it then 
because now it's tanked down to like 90, 95. But I mean, anytime you are, and hey, I am not the person to ask for advice from cryptocurrency. So if any of our millions of listeners are stupid enough to take my advice when it comes to investing, you got bigger issues. But our main our main piece of information is just hold. Hold. I mean, at this point, in the grand scheme of things, if you had the excess disposable income to invest anyway, then what in the grand scheme of things for me, like what is 200 bucks in the grand scheme of things, you know? Like in the rest of my life, two hundred dollars is not going to make or break me. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're going to make. And I'm not trying to sound elitist. I'm just saying, like, I had that money to invest to begin with. So if I let it ride, I'm just going to let it ride. So I've already made a profit because I invested in it when it was like three cents. You know, I wish I would have held on to that initial investment. Shit, that would well. be worth a lot. But speaking of volatile, let's get into the. <laughs> oh, good segue. Yeah, speaking of. Uh volatile let's get into the main part of this it's discussing the israeli and palestinian conflict so before you even hop into it my god we're about to i know some people just crap themselves right there because this is i don't care who you talk to it's very contentious we're gonna get a i feel like of any episode we've ever done besides um what's the episode was jesus a socialist that was a good episode which i want to do a redo of that one um, I feel like this is going to be our number one episode to get the most uh, hate comments. mail. And I can't wait. I hope y'all, please, for those of you who are listening, we want to hear what you have to say. I, especially me, because, uh, you know, I am I, I have my own opinions, just like yeah. my brother across from me. So We are not the same person. He's entitled to his own opinion. He's going to say stuff that pisses me off. And, and I'm, I'm going to say stuff that pisses our listeners off, and it's yeah. going to, you know, I and I'm sure... The I whole, can dish it, it. I can take it. Every once in a while, we have to. Yeah, looking at your Facebook comment feed, my lord. God damn, if I can take <laughs> it. And you know, we every once in a while we like to uh, kind of remind the listeners of why we started this, and we started this because we're on a journey. We are on a journey of, and it sounds cheesy, but we want to learn more. I'm going to learn more. He's going to learn more. We're going to stick our foot in our mouth. We're going to step in crap, but. It's all about hopefully being able to get y'all to relate and and in the grand scheme of things, being able to open our minds and maybe see that we have more in common than different. It's a journey of enlightenment exactly. in the words of the wise Buddha. <laughs> exactly. So with that in mind, let's hop into it. So how this all started was violence that began in East Jerusalem in April has expanded to military attacks from both Israel and Palestine. Large-scale injuries and fatalities have also been reported. Clashes have broken out between Palestinian Arabs and Jewish groups in Israel. The international community looks divided and readying for taking sides in the current Israel-Palestinian conflict. If it aggravates to another war, in this week's episode, we are also going to try to discuss, unpack this whole conflict and the larger global implications that result of it. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a big one. So let's discuss the events that pretty much leads up to this whole ordeal. All right. So, you know, we're going to go, we're going to take you way back to, we're going to take you really way back. But also we're going to have to veer off between the biblical view and the secular. God damn. Let's say that one more time. Say it one more time. Biblical view and the secular view, which, you know. I know some people just crap themselves right there, but... Um, that almost sounds like bipartisanship. I know, right? 
So it's going to be interesting. So in the BCE, so before Common Era, or Christ existed, or you know, as if he did, right. you know, who knows? But you know, that's yeah, another that's joint a, for another day. A, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> other can of worms to open up for another day. A whole other stream of hate-filled messages. You are going to hell in a hand basket, and we're. I guess we're just, you know, give me, I guess we'll be driving, you know, but, um, you know, common sense being decent. I don't know the God that I know, the Jesus that I know, you know, he, if we, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but let's get into it. Um, what did he do, Zach, whenever he walked into the temple and saw people selling things? What did he do? He flipped tables, flipped tables, destroyed tables. And you know, it's a funny thing. That's what? almost like it's what? rioting isn't it yeah <laughs> destruction of property yeah, pretty I, much <laughs> anyway oh anyway the crazy part to me is also the same jesus that existed is the is the one who hung out with the poor people mm-hmm. and they and he didn't shame them he offered them the free gift of quote unquote eternal life and he also hung out with your prostitutes all the people that Today we're we the lowest, demonize. yeah, demonize, and that people view as the lowest of the lows. Yeah, but yet he he said, "I don't give a crap about being with the rich. I don't want to be with the." And actually, he despised rich people. Yeah. So, oh, we're gonna have a great one one day. But before we even go even further than that, I know that people are just like throwing their fist in the air right now, ready to come at us. But anyway, so this whole—if we want to take it way back to the origin, so to speak—you know. Uh, the biblical story of Israel started with King Solomon. He built his temple in Jerusalem for, Jerusalem for the Jewish people. And so that remains one of the holiest sites for the Jewish people and in Christianity as well. Uh, so those were the times of empire building. And Jerusalem was invaded by the Egyptians and then later the Romans who attacked uh, and destroyed the temple. So in 70 BCE, uh, the Romans destroyed a constructed temple built at that Jerusalem site. And so the Jewish people ended up fleeing uh, into Europe and other parts of Asia. And so then in the 7th century common era, so or AD, whichever one you want, the Islamic Caliphate army took control of Jerusalem from um, the Jewish people. And so the flight of the Jewish people continued for centuries and and mainly in and around Germany, which that's going to become important later. And so then in the 1800s, so the 19th century, the Zionist movement was launched. So what exactly is a Zionist? A Zionist is like your radical right-wing Jewish person that, you know, like it's their version almost of like a fundamentalist Christian. So is it the same person, same, probably the, the same Zionist Jews was the same ones that probably in the in biblical terms crucified jesus or had him crucified because they believed in this this and this or what let me, i was going to um, ask you this i'm not 100 percent well versed on this yeah but nor I am say, i yeah, so. they're the more they're the more radical um you know old school conservative yeah, by the hard, book yeah, is what i was saying conservative. Yeah. yeah and so that whole hey we need to come back and take what's ours that's the zionist movement you know they wanted to return to Palestine is what it was then in the 1800s and say, that's ours thousands of years ago. So it's ours. We want it back. And so then we get to right after World War One. So tell us exactly the first big conflict that happened. 
So this is where it gets really intense. This is where the meat of the issue starts to get, between 1916 and 1946-47. So at the end of World War II, we know Germany lost, which, how did Germany get into World War I? But that's a whole other story. Well, you know, but yet they're the ones who are to blame for all of World War I, even though they didn't even start it. But anywho, um, uh, Hitler started to come to power in the early 1920s with the Nazi party, but also um, England, Great Britain, their colonizers, uh, like other European colonizers, like the United States as well. But England and France in 1916 had this thing called the Sykes-Picot Agreement. What's that? So the Sykes-Picot Agreement was essentially England and France decided how they wanted to split up the Middle East. Who's going to control the Middle East? So England, Instead of letting them governing themselves. Instead of letting them govern themselves, they said, well, y'all are too uncivilized, so we want to help civilize you. Quote, quote, a.k.a. they knew that there was oil, and they knew that there was resources. And with more land comes more power. So... England colonized Palestine and what was known as the Transjordan, which was like Israel, what's today present-day Israel, West Bank, and Gaza, parts of Egypt. Um, and France got like Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, all that kind of stuff. So uh, the you know Jewish immigration to Israel, what was then today present-day Israel, back then it was Palestine, started to increase because the uh, Europeans are trying to get rid of the, and mainly England, because there was a large Jewish population there. There was a hatred of, anti, or was high anti-Semitism. Yes, yeah, Semitism. excuse me. So they started pushing the Jewish people to go to there, where they had colonized. Now, keep in mind, the Ottoman Empire, which was a Muslim empire, had controlled that whole region for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So that was the Muslim land as it had been for nearly a, um, a thousand years. So they had lost because they were on the side of Germany and Austria-Hungary in World War I. So the Ottoman Empire collapsed, which is now present-day Turkey. Not ham, but Turkey. Um, and so they, uh, they collapsed, and that's how England gained access to all that land. So they diced it up and said, well, this is British colonies now, and there's France. And so that's how it went from about 1916 to about 1946, 45, at the end of World War II. Because, you know, at the end of World War II, with the support of the U.S. and the U.K., Jews created the state of Israel in 1948. And so this declaration came after Jews failed to sign a deal with the Arabs for carving out a separate state from Palestine. So after the atrocities, that was the Holocaust. And so... Just right here, let's go ahead and preface this because we have to preface it. We're not knocking what we're about to say. I'm, what I'm about to say especially is not saying that anything about the Holocaust was good. It's not saying that anything... We're not condoning yeah, killing innocent, right. 9 million innocent people. Right. So, you know, the United Nations, the newly formed United Nations, the United Kingdom, and yeah, the United States said, we need a place for all of these Jewish refugees of the Holocaust. You know? Oh, my God. I hate to take a... Uh, oh, I know you're about to go there. Doesn't that almost sound did. like I'm, immigration? Yes. And so the United States especially said, we need to find a place for all of these refugees because we're not, we're sure as shit not bringing them here. 
because we didn't do that during World War II either. We could have placed all the Jewish immigrants that went to Palestine and became the state of Israel. We could have easily fit them in like Montana, but we didn't do that. Just like we didn't take Jewish refugees during the middle of the Holocaust in 1942, when close to a thousand Jewish people had stolen a steam liner, tried to come to the United States, and we turned them away. They went to Cuba. They went to the United States. They tried to land in New York City, and they were turned away. So do you think that's a blemish on FDR's record? 100%. 100%. Because there was a large amount of anti-Semitism in the United States during that time, too. We FDR and the United States knew about what was going on in Europe. They didn't know the extent, but they knew that Jewish people were being killed by the thousands. But anyway, um, so the United States said, hmm, what about this? They said, we're going to go to Palestine. We're going to take the Palestinian land, which was the Palestinian people's land, and we're going to split it up. So without even consulting the Palestinian Arabs, They just said, your land's mine. Yeah, they said, your land's ours, and this part is not yours anymore. So it was two-thirds of the population was Palestinian Arabs, and they didn't care. The United States and England did not care, the United Nations. They took this step without even consulting them, and they said, you know what? We're going to split this up. So most of the Jewish population was made up of settlers who had arrived in the previous 30 years, mainly from Europe. But more than 100,000 were survivors of the Nazi genocide. And so... You know, like I mentioned, the U.S. and the British imperialists, they had done little to nothing before World War II to even help the Jewish victims. But they used this, you know, the horror that was the Holocaust to be able to build sympathy for the Jewish people and set up this uh, state of Israel after the war. And so what was known as Resolution 181 passed the United Nations, and despite... The fact that they only owned 6% of the land, uh, Resolution 181 awarded the Jewish people 56% of the Palestinians' land. That's over half. Well over half, even though they only comprised 6%. So they went from owning 6% to 56%. So let me ask you this. Do you think, in a sense, that was a consolation prize for 9 million of their own people being slaughtered? Like uh, just just an out thinking out loud thought. Like, do you think like since oh. since you've committed so much atroc- atrocities, like done to your people, do you think that's just like a like a like a, an award for said thing? You know, you what get what I, I'm saying. And this is not once again not taking away from the fact that right, six million Jewish people were killed. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, but taking one atrocity and then committing another by. You're, you're literally trying to make, it's like two wrongs don't make a right. You're then taking away from a group of people their land that you already conquered yeah, yeah. and you're occupying. Right. So it's like, it's it's beside the point of saying, well, oh, we're just trying to help you. We're trying to help these people who've been done wrong. Yes, they've been done wrong, but you're then at the expense of others. Yeah, yeah. It, like you said, two wrongs don't make a right. Right, so. and that's like in the United States. Well, we had all this influx of immigrants in the 1800s from Europe, and they're like, well, we need to help them and give them land to help prosper, right? The American dream, that's when the American dream became at the expense of Native Americans because we just completely wiped out Native Americans. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, wiped them out, continue pushing them west, breaking treaty after treaty after treaty. But 
these Europeans needed somewhere to live and, you know, be able to, you know, pursue their own American dream at the expense of what, though? So that's just it. It's like all of these people are just pawns to the U.S. and European imperialist, the empires. Literally, they're getting to make their decision and let the people that they're affecting, let them fight it out. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's, it's messed up. It is messed up. And we see less than two years after uh, Israel became an official country in 1947, in 1948, the first Israeli-Arab war began uh, once England officially pulled out and lifted their control. These countries, many of the Middle Eastern countries that were Arab as well, sided with Palestine. But Israel ended up winning even as a brand new nation because the United States backed them with their large re- amount of resources. Military, military industrial yeah. complex. Yeah. And so what was in it for the U.S. then, you know? What do you think? Why would the U.S. want to help this new weak nation that couldn't even defend itself? Why? Money. The military industrial complex. We saw that we could get make it rich by selling our weapons to Israel, and then they would be beholden to us. They would be dependent on us. And because of that, an estimated 750,000 Palestinians lost their homes and became refugees themselves. This recurring theme of refugees is going to take place. So keep that in mind. So let's fast forward to 1964. Okay. So this is about a little bit less than 20 years. And so the Palestinians started to organize themselves after having you know, their land taken from them into this peaceful thing known as the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And it was their continued struggle to maintain their own identity, their own homeland. It's essentially their peaceful way of nonviolent protest against the occupying force of Israel because Israel never was just happy with the land that they were given by the United Nations. So, yeah, they're like, let's expand, let's... Yeah, Yeah, they kept incrementally taking this section, this section, this section. And they did it by sending in Israeli, what they called settlers, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, so that's 1964. 1967, this thing called the Six-Day War took place. Israel defeated this coalition of Arab-led nations of Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. And so Israel, they, you know, it's kind of like they start, kept provoking, kept provoking, kept provoking. Finally, the war breaks out. And have you ever noticed it's like in high school, you know, like somebody's bullying somebody and finally they pick, they pick, they pick. And then finally, when the other person that's been bullied hits back, they get blamed, you know, like whenever somebody else hits, you know, yeah, like they get, yeah, 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 like you get, they get suspended. Yeah. Even though they've been the one that's been bullied for so long and finally they fight back and then what happens, they get suspended and they look like the bad guy. So uh, Israel ended up winning that bat or war. And they took control of the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights, and East Jerusalem. And so this is where the latest episodes of violence have also started. And in that, more than 250,000 Palestinians became refugees once again. So it's like each time, yes, the Israelis lose people. that die, They die. But it's like it's tenfold of Palestinians who are either killed or displaced in their homes. So do you see, like, it's a common recurring theme of an unfair fight, in other words. So we get to 73, 1973, and the Arab nations had once again formed a coalition to attack Israel. And so they suffered heavy losses 
uh, the Israelis did, but they were able to end up winning that conflict uh, because of uh, help from the United States. But this is what led to the massive oil crisis. And it was when uh, the leading, it led to OPEC being formed. What um, OPEC is? It was like the organization of Middle Eastern nations that controlled their own oil. They said, well, we're tired of the United States. So Saudi Arabia and yeah. things like that? Saudi Arabia, um, I think if I remember correctly, like the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, uh, pretty much the Middle East. Uh, they said, you know what? We're tired of having the United States and England or Great Britain and Europe control our oil. When it's our oil, we want control of our own oil since it's our land. And so it led to massive oil increase prices in oil. 1978, the United States brokered a peace deal between Israel and Egypt. Jimmy Carter, he was in charge of that. It became known as the Camp David Accords, even though that agreement was never actually implemented. Do you know what was like technically supposed to be part of the deal, in a sense? Um, if I remember correctly, it was supposed to be like a just like almost like a peace deal, like a negotiated peace between the two countries that they would quit fighting. They had agreed, if I remember correctly, on like set pieces of land, and then they would just be happy with that. But it never actually came to fruition. So. Let's fast forward to 1987 to the first Palestinian infidata. Infidata. Yep. You know what? Akuna Matata, I tried. So <laughs> give me a pat on the back. So, so let's let's talk about how it was first launched and go from there. It means no worries. <laughs> well, in 1987, speaking of 1987 and Ronald Reagan, the Infatata. It was an uprising, the first ever Palestinian uprising against the Jewish or against uh, Israel. And so these protests and clashes, they continued for years in the Gaza and West Bank and inside Israel because, like we mentioned, Israel had broken international law by continually going into lands that was given to the Palestinians, or that was left for the Palestinians. So Israel was given this section, uh, Palestine was given this section, or was left this section, yeah. and Israel kept encroaching, kept moving in, kept invading, kept provoking. So long story short, they just weren't kept in check. Right, and so the Palestinians gave up the peaceful, nonviolent way, and they said, you know what, you're going to continue trying to take our land and killing us, so we're going to finally fight back. And so we saw that happen in 1987, and you know, thousands of people ended up dying because of this. And so then from the 1990s to 2017, there was more periodic back and forth fighting between both sides, and it ended up leading to thousands of Palestinians dying, and then only hundreds of Israelis dead, which is still bad, but I'm just trying to emphasize that clear the, 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 the kill count difference. Yeah, there's a big disproportionately more uh, Palestinians that died compared to the Israelis, but still no solution was ever found. And so in 2017, Donald Trump took office and he ceremoniously moved the United States uh, ambassador uh, place from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, even though that was more symbolic than anything. But anyway, uh, 2021, it gets us to the present day issues. So it gets us to these present day issues. And so... Israel starts, uh, let's just start all the way from the beginning. So 
in early to mid-April is the first week of Ramadan, which is the holiest time of the year. It's like the Christian version of Easter, of Lent and Easter. So it's Ramadan. This is the holiest time of the year for Muslims. And so since Palestinians are Muslim, uh, the Israeli government and military surrounded the this. It was the third most holiest mosque. And they started to pepper spray. They started to tear gas. And they just started beating the crap out of close to 600 peaceful Muslims that were in their church worshiping. And the Israelis just had nothing to do with it. And they just started attacking them. And so on April 16th, the Israel limits the number of people who can pray at Al-Assad. Uh, and it was considered the third holiest mosque in Islam. And that's in East Jerusalem. And they limited it to only 10,000 people. Now, usually close to about 100,000 people show up. So that's a clear, you know, they're trying to provoke issues, you know. It's clear that Israel is trying to provoke these issues. In clashes, protests break out. They attack uh, one of the worshiping, when they're worshiping once again. And so, you know, finally, all of this is also taking place during uh, when Israel is trying to evict Palestinians from their homes at the same time. And so, you know, the Israeli government is evicting the Palestinians out of these neighborhoods in and around Jerusalem, which is originally, once again, land that was left for the Palestinians. And so they're evicting them, and then they, they attacked that mosque on the first night of Ramadan, and then the Israeli police stormed the church, they shot them with rubber bullets, they beat them, all of that kind of stuff. So that gets us back to pretty much the present day. We've had now rockets being fired back and forth, back and forth. Over 30 children dead. Over 30 Palestinian children have been killed, along with a total, or no, that was just of the other day. There's up to 100 children that have been killed now, and 500 overall Palestinians, compared to about 30 Israelis that have been killed. So that's kind of where we're at now. And we're on the brink of a, yet another war between Palestine and Israel, which could also have larger ramifications. And so one of the main questions, though, that everybody tries to bring this in, and it's not really the case. What's that, Zach? Is it about religion? And it's not. It really isn't. Yes, it's two different religions. Between, Clashing. Yeah, it's two different religions, but it's not over religion. Because in 1947, when they decided to create the Israeli state, the Palestinians wanted to have one country of Jewish and Muslims. They wanted to have one country and live along peacefully alongside every each other like they had for a good long time. But on behalf of Israel, they had been staunchly against that. So I don't think it's really truly genuinely I don't think that it's over religion. It's not. It's it's yeah, it deals with two different religions, but that's not the origin. That's not the source of the issue. It's land. It's about land. And so would you agree that, like you say, that's what majority of wars are about in the first place is either land, it's about religion, or it's money. Yeah, resources, resources. You know what's the common cause, it seems, of all of these? Capitalism. Think about it. 
resources, land, resources, money, all of that. And, you know, I always learned in high school when we first started learning about colonialism and imperialism, the three G's, God, gold, and geography. That's what was the three motives for imperialism. God to quote, quote, spread Christianity, gold, resources, or geography, land, which land has resources. So, yeah, all of these are major um, provocations or motives. So we're getting to, you know, we talked about what, what originally caused the issues between Israel and Palestine. And we mentioned the Sykes-Picot Agreement uh, between Great Britain and France that originally split up the Middle East. And you had the 1946 UN and Resolution 181. Right. So the UN passed Resolution 181, which split up the Palestinian land without their even discussion. No, they just said, uh, fuck you. Yeah, this is how it's going to be. Boom, boom. And so then the big thing that really gets into is... Why exactly did Israel began pretty much just... They just said, ah, we're going to occupy this place without, without no consent. Right. So, you know, like from the beginning, there's been clashes ever since the two countries were created. And so, you know, Israel began, you know, expanding more and more, more and more each time and occupying what began uh, with just the West Bank and then Gaza, which was left to the Palestinians. So that started in 1967. And so up to that point, Gaza had been controlled by Egypt and the West Bank by Jordan because it was the West Bank of the Jordan River. Fun fact. Uh, but in 1967, we had that six-day war, and then Israel ended up occupying the two Palestinian territories. And so they have occupied that ever since in the West Bank. And so Israel then, in 2005, everybody flipped out because they were like, oh, wow, Israel is quitting. They're stopping the occupation of it. They left the West Bank. But what they did, they built a wall around it. And they're now blockading the West Bank. So they've literally, uh, you know how the Berlin Wall surrounded or kept split Berlin and kept half of Berlin away from Western Berlin? That's essentially what they did with Gaza and the West Bank. They built walls around it, Israel did. And they said, well, this is just to protect us from invasion. But what they're doing is they're blockading the people in. And so the people that are inside, they're facing about 40 to 45% unemployment because they don't have, there's no way to make money because Israel is controlling what resources go in, what resources go out, who can go in, who can go out. So they've essentially blockaded and quarantined these people into a ghetto, essentially, and, like yeah. during the Holocaust. And we all know that walls really aren't meant for, aren't the best for the best solution yeah. to anything. And they're not, they're not. And so all it's done is just cause more anger and more resentment. And the Human Rights Watch, which is a worldwide global organization that protects against um, human rights violations, they've consistently condemned it. They called it what's called an open-air prison. And it's Israel is breaking international UN-sanctioned law, and nobody's doing anything about it. No repercussions. None. Whereas if Palestine did it, then you would hear backlash. Yes, you, there, there would, would be probably be either, as I hate to say it, 
either they would be blown off the map, you know, or, okay. or something to that dramatic extent. Or what I love is it's called a peacekeeping mission. So to make peace, you have to have war. You know, you have to blow them off the map in order to get peace. That's kind of ironic to me. But so, yeah, the, and Israel, once again, just keeps saying it's like, well, it's necessary because we've got to have security because we're so tiny. But yet this is the same Israel that is one of the most powerful militaries on Earth because of U.S. backing. So, you know, they just want to it's all about control. It's all about control. And they're showing that they have complete control of this. So what exactly is the settler issue? Okay, so this is uh, the settlers. They're Israelis who move into the West Bank. So the West Bank is the Palestinian land, remember? So they're, they're considered to violate international law. That is land that is supposed to be specifically for Palestine. Palestine. But yet the Israelis have been paying their own people to move there. So that way they say, you know, they're, um, they're able to move as many as half a million settlers because it's cheaper housing. And they're saying, oh, well, we're doing it for religious reasons. But really, they're moving hundreds of thousands of people there. So then Israel can say, well, hey, we need to send in our troops to protect our people. But really, they're the invading and occupying forces in the first place. So they're, you know, this is violating, once again, international law, because it says it forbids an occupying force from moving its citizens into occupied territory. So they cannot move their citizens into someone else's land. Because think about it, this is what's ironic. Technically, Israel is, is promoting illegal immigration. And the United States supports it. Isn't that something? Think about it, though. Think about it. Is it not illegal immigration? Yeah, it's 500,000 people worth of illegal immigration. But the United States, Joe Biden, just the other day says, Ash, I strongly approve of it. And I'm going to back it. Our whole country. We are pro-Israel. You don't have to be Jewish to be Zionist. So now if black people don't vote for him, they're not black. And now... He doesn't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. So he's he's every color, creed, race, religion, everybody. Joe Biden is a chameleon. America's oldest president. America's oldest chameleon, right there. And wrinkliest. <laughs> Who am I? But, um, yeah, so, like we mentioned, the latest fighting was caused as, like, a culmination, almost. It was like... The straw that broke the camel's back. Essentially, yeah, because think about it. It wasn't just the uh, attack of the mosque, which was horrible in itself. You know, people were trying to worship their God, which they have a right to do, but yet they were suffocating to death due to tear gas that was being shot into their mosque, which, ironic enough, some of the survivors were able to get, were able to gather up the canisters of tear gas, and guess what? There was U.S. military emblems emblazoned on it from uh defense contractors it was like sold straight from the u.s so they had their names like printed on the side so no wonder they have a little they harbor ill ill will you wonder you think and so i think it's kind of clear but we see who the u.s is siding with we've seen time and time again like you you want to talk about joe biden coming out so pretty much like i like 
who benefits from all this? I mean, is is does Joe Biden benefit by saying I'm pro-Israel, or does he, or or is he just taking the popular stance? Well, think about it. Um, we claim to be the uh, the we spread democracy, right? We spread. We are the light that spreads self determination and all that. But yet, we are promoting human rights violations by supporting and funding over three billion dollars a year to Israel when they are committing human rights violations. They are occupying a land that is not theirs. They are breaking international law. But Joe Biden just Friday came out and said he is stands solidly with Israel. And he even had the gall to condemn uh, the Palestinian when they sent rockets over into Israel, but didn't say a word about Israel killing hundreds of Palestinians. Ne- did not once condemn that. So pretty much what, what we're getting at here, uh, like the main gist of this episode is is like the military-industrial complex really does play a role. Yes, 100%. For, and, and, it's, and it's for profit. Yes, think about it. The military-industrial complex, all these defense contracts. That's the ones who benefit the most. Yeah, Northrop Grumman. Grumman um, who is it? Uh, Lockheed Martin, all of them. They're getting to A, test out their new technology, and B, they're getting to make money hand over fist because they have all the contracts with the U.S. government when the U.S. government sells it to Israel. So, yeah, we want to support Israel because we want to make money off of them buying our weapons. And then people just take it and run with it because they think it's just for religious reasons when it's all about monetary reasons. Exactly. We see right-wing people twisting it. And honestly, it's both sides. And, it's and, both sides. And it's I mean, Democrats I mean, it's, just as much. It's, I mean, it's not just about your Jesus, you know? Yeah, it honestly has nothing to do with— Because I, I doubt Jesus himself would uh, approve of rockets being— Fired at fired civilians at, and, and innocent kids being killed with bomb, just blown up in their own house. Exactly, and that's just it. Like there have been many Jewish rabbis coming out against this, and see in Israel, uh, Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, he's barely holding on to power as it is. So the g- give me give the viewers pretty much a a roundabout opinion of Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu. He sounds like he smokes about 18 packs a day, first off. So he's part of, I think it's it's called the Likud party or something like that. And they barely are keeping power. I mean, he's he's lost multiple times, but he said that they're rigged elections, so he just holds another election. So he, the, the more left-wing parties, he's, Netanyahu's a right-winger. Far, far right, right. Far right. That's why him and Trump got along so good, yeah, right? They're, yeah, they're so far right-wing. And they're happy to go to war because they're like, hey, we want to, we're beating the drums of nationalism and want to expand into uh, Palestine. That's ours. So these more left or even center ring, uh, wing parties and left wing parties are trying to, you know, be more diplomatic. That's like your Obama and Biden's pretty much, right? For your centrist, right? Yeah, yeah centrist. Yeah. Not left wing. But, uh, yeah, what's crazy is our left wing in the United States is like center parties in Europe. That's what's so funny. But um, yeah, they're wanting to be more diplomatic with 
uh, Palestine and all that. And see, even in Palestine, the government is controlled right now by Hamas, but they're split too. They had a, a civil war a few years ago over who should be in control of Palestine, the more militant Hamas or the more moderate uh, party that was there, the PLO. So they were split as well. So there's so much that goes into it that it, it's almost degrading just to say, well, we're for Israel because they're for Jesus. So, so no. I got to ask you this. So how is it you can side with like two sides of the, of this, of Hamas, you know, like you said, you have the, you have like, it's, there's so much chaos going on. Like, how do you know which one to side with, which one's right? That's my point I'm trying to ask. I'll look at it from two angles and I'm really glad you mentioned that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I look at it from two angles. One, I look at it historically. Historically. Yes. Historically it's wrong. Yes. Oh yeah. Whose land was it? It was the Palestinians. Second, I look at it from a humanitarian standpoint. Who has been getting disproportionately just decimated over and over and over again every time they have a battle, every time they have a conflict? The Palestinians. So the majority of people that are dying are civilians, non-military. The majority of people that are dying in Israel are military. So I'm not saying it's okay that military dies, but... Do you see what I'm saying? Like they signed up for it. Um, in Palestine, there, and it goes back to the video that you and I watched about Trevor Noah, and it kind of leads into what we're talking about. Is it a fair fight? Palestine is literally minuscule compared to Israel. Israel has one of the most powerful militaries on earth. Their defense, their missile defense system has it to where nothing major will ever hit Israel. They have such an advanced weapon system. They could literally crush Palestine like it's nothing. So any kind of retaliation that they make, it's like overkill. It's like a big brother versus your baby brother. You know, let's make this a little bit more uh, for, for people who can understand it. It's like, a UFC heavyweight versus a me versus a featherweight champion. You know, how about it, this? It's it's like Francis Ngannou versus Conor McGregor. Who the fuck do you think is going to win? Yeah. Or how about this? Alabama playing UAB. UAB is uh, Palestine. Not, not even that. Let's say let's say the the Tampa Bay Bucks playing Alabama. And if you, yeah. you get you get the I'm gist. saying a division Alabama playing a division two college. Yeah, pretty much. Alabama playing Sanford. Right, right. Something like that. It's no competition. None. Which Israel is Alabama for the record, and Palestine is Sanford. Let's just. <laughs> the, that I was about to say for for those who couldn't put the context yes. clues together, you know. So it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be even, and it's going to be a massacre. So when it comes down to it. If, even if Palestine is fighting back, A, you have to stop and think, why are they fighting back? What are they fighting for? They're fighting for their land, their right to exist. The world is on Israel's side, essentially. But, well, no, I take that back. The European and America is on Israel's side. Because it's pretty much just like you said, a handful of countries which is the United States is the handful of countries yeah. that side with Israel. You know, yeah. the majority of the world outside of the United States, England and France 
and Germany are, or even Germany is against the U.S. on this. They're, they're seeing that the United States is backing the wrong side. We're on the wrong side of history here. It's kind of like during the Vietnam War. We're on the wrong side of history. And it's just not a fair fight. And when it comes down to it, any kind of atrocities that are taking place, where when you have the United Nations and the Human Rights Watch, which we love to claim whenever it's like Christians being attacked somewhere, but when it's the Israelis doing it to the Palestinians, we want to just ignore it and act like it's not happening. Right. So the same people that are getting all up in arms over the alleged Christian murders in uh, Myanmar and stuff like that, or in China, supposedly, need to also be up in arms over the Palestinians. Just because they're a different religion. Exactly. And I think a lot of uh, religious aspects play into it when it shouldn't be a religious issue. It should be a humanitarian Yeah, like you said, a human rights issue instead of— Exactly. And and that's not really a a real Christian way to look at it. Mm Mm-mm. It needs to be a humanitarian issue. And that's what it is because, you know, think about it. Of the like 600, around 600 Palestinians that have been killed, over 100 have been children. That is a disproportionate amount of people, of children being killed. That's generations that will cease to exist, you know? If you think about it, like there's no future generations there. Those kids are killed. Right. So that needs to be taken into account. And it's just... There's right and there's wrong. And, you know, 50 years from now, the history is not going to look kindly on this. Just like today, we can all look back and realize, hey, Vietnam, it, why were we there? You know, why were we there? It wasn't for democracy. We can admit that it was a mistake. And that's not, and there, that right there, that doesn't mean that we were against the troops. That's just saying the reason we were there was wrong. Because you even have troops that say that. So history does not look kindly on it. And so that's what we have to think about. Like our kids and our grandkids, how are they going to look back on, they're going to, they are going to look back on how we react in this moment, just like in every other moment that we've talked about on this show. And how are they going to respond to us? Are they going to be proud? Are they going to be ashamed? And it all leads back to what we talked about at the very beginning, why we do this show. You know, it's to talk about these things It's to give these other perspectives than what you may hear on the news. It's to be able to have a conversation other than, like you said, other than what the bullshit Fox News is feeding you. Yeah, we're trying to, you know, make you think critically, because how are we ever going to learn from the mistakes of our past unless we look back at it critically, look back at it, look back at it. But um, we'll, we'll never be able to learn from our mistakes and be able to move forward as a society unless we learn from the mistakes of our past. Right. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And I have heard, I watched the news and saw that there were massive protests in New York City over the weekend. Like close to 60,000 people showed up for a protest against the actions of Israel. And I, I think that is amazing. And it needs, and what was great to see, it wasn't just uh, Muslims. It wasn't just your stereotypical left-wing protesters. It was Jewish rabbis out there marching with people. It was people of all races, 
of all genders, of all religions, of all classes, everything marching together in solidarity. And that's what I love to see. Because that is what's going to have to happen to force change, to force this ending to this campaign. So any thoughts you want to add to that? I, I think you pretty much hit the hammer on the head on, on this one. I, I, and I think the uh, viewers just really need to just digest all this information we've given. Definitely. And like, interact with us. We want to hear from you. Hit that subscribe button so that we, you know, we can uh, contact you so that we can interact with you. Leave and, conti comments. and continue to give you episodes of this quality. Yeah, because, definitely. Because it's not just like we just type on Google and just see what pops up. There's some mm -hmm. thought and genuine effort put into this. Mm -hmm. And before we go, I do have a surprise for you, Zach. We I'll have like an that. interview coming up. I've been able to this in the works. Really? Yep. Uh, one of my good friends, a hardcore, to the core, to the bone communist. We're going to talk with him and we're going to dispel a lot of myths of communism. So we're, he's in a, we're going to interview him in a few weeks. Wow. So, so that gives, and very much gives something to look forward to for definitely, sure. Definitely. Definitely. So maybe uh, open some minds a little bit, you know? Indeed. Spread the wealth of knowledge. So anyway, Zach, take us out. Levitating your perspective each episode at the time. Y'all have a great week.